Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's Monday, we're back in the studio and alongside me and producer Becky, back for their loyal listeners, back on demand, Jilly Flatty, because I had a message on Instagram, someone <laughs> <Okay>. asking. <laughs> someone, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> someone asking, when is Jilly back on? But Jilly Flatty and Kate Longhurst are back. We missed you guys. Oh, it was only a week, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, not longer. <laughs> if Sorry. anyone misses me, let us know. <laughs> um, I missed you, Kate. I'm, I'm, I'm quite so glad like you're the back. confidence boost. <laughs> Kate, you've been on a really long break because international breaks expanded because of the FA Cup. So you had a few days off. Did you go away or do anything fun? Went home, nice. met up with friends and family and stuff. So that was really nice. Home is Essex, though. It's not well, that far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, I went 45 minutes down the road. Very nice. And yeah, just spent time with friends and family. Even though my mum and dad were in Barcelona, so I didn't actually see them. Oh. They were just living it up. But wow. Love life for them. Yeah, better life than me, you know. Yeah. Um, Jilly, you were booked and busy as per, went all the way up to Lee Sports Village for the game on Saturday. We're obviously going to talk about that shortly, but it's just a, another week in the busy life of Jilly Flatty, eh? Yeah, I think I'm watching more football now and I've retired than when I did when I was playing. Can't yeah. get can't get enough of it at the moment. Must be nice, eh? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> are, you getting, are you getting a hero's welcome as well at like stadiums you go to or like, you know, are people like, it's chilly? Like... Yeah, well, Hope took all the glory on Saturday because obviously it's Brighton. Yeah. So all the Brighton fans and Man United fans, I don't really think I've had a great experience with them. So they weren't too welcoming. But, you know, it's, um, I had a good response at the England game. A couple yes. of people come up and took a photo. and yep. I, was Not trying me. Get, I was trying to get Kate's attention for about half hour, but couldn't. Um, but no, it's good. Very nice. And Becky, busy weekend for you? What have you been up to? No, I had a chill one because I went on holiday, you know. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Still recovering. <laughs> yeah, so I just had a chill one. Played football yesterday. Actually, had the best game ever. Of your career? Of my career. I felt real good about it. We lost both games and I was in defence, but um, that's <laughs> Could you besides drink the point. No. <laughs> no, and I should have maybe. Um, but yeah, the goalkeeper was like... Where I felt really calm with you in defence. I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, wow. she was really bigging me up at the pub, and I was like, Thanks. "Is she hitting on you?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? No, I just had a really good game. Fuck you. No, <laughs> double whammy. Great and hot. Like you know. Thanks. Yeah. Multi-talented. Thanks. <laughs> on today's show, we're obviously going to be focusing on those two FA Cup semi-finals from the weekend. As expected, it's going to be a Chelsea United final at Wembley, the neutrals' favourite. We're also going to be checking in on the latest around the WSL, some big news stories from the last week, and also checking in on a chaotic weekend in the NWSL. That's all coming up after this. So let's talk about Saturday's FA Cup semi-final between Manchester United and Brighton. United left it very late, but they did squeeze through. Um, Jilly, you were there coming live and direct from Lee Sports Village. Brighton were actually pretty impressive, given the fact they got smashed by United the week before the international break. It's obviously been a very difficult season for them, but they were close to pushing it to extra time and also close to pulling off a, a shock uh, FA Cup semi-final win. Yeah, I think, I mean, I was impressed by Brighton because I think if they can take that performance into the rest of the season, then off of that, I think they'll stay up. Um, they went back to a four at the back where the previous game they played United, they were the five um, and they just looked all over the place. But a four um, and a four, and five, they looked just so much more uh, compact and just banked up and United struggled to break him down 
Um, and then obviously then the, the goal, I mean, the Brighton, the first goal, obviously Mary Earps would will feel disappointed by it because it was sloppy and it should have uh, it should have been a clear a clear save. Um, but then when they come out, United come out and it went all well, legal and scored straight away. I just thought, oh, like here we go, sort of thing. It's gonna go bang, bang, bang. Um, and then obviously then uh, let's say I went two one, and then obviously then Dan Carter went through, which again another stop mistake. And that's what I said with United is that I feel that they do have that in them for both their goals. Um, but I think it was good for Brighton because it was sort of a free hit because obviously no one expected them really to get to the final. No one expected them to win really, but it was a good chance for them to put potentially what they're how they're going to play into the rest of the season into practice against one of the best teams in the league. So I think uh, I think Man United were lucky, um, but Brighton can be proud of their performance definitely. Yeah, touching on Brighton's performance first, Kate. First game in charge for Mel Phillips. It was. I think you can already tell how much of an impact that she's had. They just needed, I think, someone positive in the building and she's done that. And it's hard to know with new managers how much of a positive new manager bounce you're going to get when things aren't going well. They have struggled to score goals all season. They've been a bit of a mess at the back, but even though they did concede three on Saturday, like Jilly said, they looked a bit more compact and they scored two goals, which will be a massive boost. Have you seen enough on Saturday to think, obviously they have those games in hand on Leicester, to think that they might be able to survive? Yeah, firstly, I've I've heard really good things about Mel Phillips from players that have played with her, coaches that have coached with her. Um, so I think she's a really good signing for Brighton. Um, I also think they had a chance to get her in December and kind of probably regret not doing that and, and following through with that. Uh, they definitely looked more structured, more organised, but also a threat on the counter. I know they didn't create a lot, um, but I mean, they scored two of their three chances, really. Um, and obviously with the Mary Earps mistake, it's it's one of those. But I think just the fact that even when they went one or two, one down, the fact they had the resilience to stay in there, um, not shit the bed for a better saying um, you know because it's it's hard once you've you've been ahead and then you're all of a sudden you're behind it's easy to be like oh no we've we've messed this up now or it's going to be three four five um, so for them to get back to two all it showed real character and I think they looked very together when a new manager comes in obviously you want to impress you want to um, make sure that you're in the starting lineup things like that so I think I really think that that performance is something they can build on and it's probably a good thing, like Jilly said, with the pressure off. It's probably a really good game for them to have in preparation for the league because there's no doubt that the league is the most important thing for them and they would have seen that as a tough game. Um, I think that can only give them confidence and they've still got teams that are in and around them uh, in the run-in. So I think you know they looked solid and they've got a good chance. Julie, I did fear for what the reaction would be if United lost this game because obviously expectations are so high amongst that fan base and this is the best shot they've ever had at getting to a cup final. Everyone expected them to go through as well. They were the favourites against a team that was down so bad. So I was a bit worried when they conceded that first goal because we've seen this from United where they have dominated games but really struggled to create enough to see them through. They did need Rachel Williams to kind of bail them out quite late. They did got the, get the job done. But looking ahead to this cup final against Chelsea, which will be so tough because they've never beaten Chelsea, but also the title race, which you know they are well and truly still in, how do you think this 
slightly shaky performance now impacts the rest of their season. Yeah, I just think, just watching, I think they did struggle to break Brighton down. And then even when they, like they were resorted to Letizia playing long balls over the top to Leah Gorton, who got through a couple of times with it, but there weren't no like, nice link up play or I mean Garcia was coming in um, and dragging Poppy Patterson all the way in um, and you was hoping that uh, Bajay was going to go over the overlap but she sort of wanted to receive the ball the other side um, of the defender in front of her so it was just a bit like there, there didn't seem to be no real game plan or like none of that combination plays or phase of play it didn't seem like that it just seemed to be a bit like Brighton were defending really well and they couldn't really break it down but you're looking at the Rachel Williams goal I mean obviously we spoke on the chat afterwards like Brighton will be kicking themselves because they had a player down but obviously I could understand the Brighton players potentially not even knowing that Katie Robertson was down on the other side but they had the excitement that they was going to go and, and counter on uh, United but I mean, there could have been a free kick pulled up just before that. But obviously, Rachel has gone through because really the fullback is out of position. But if the fullback would have been in, I don't really think that would have happened because there would have been the space there for her to run into. So it was sort of like, where was that goal coming from? Because Brighton just looked as dangerous going forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good for them because it sort of takes the pressure off them a little bit because even if they don't win the WSL there's still chance for silverware with the FA Cup final um, and obviously they want to get in the Champions League too but yeah I mean I think sometimes it's just one of them days where you go listen we'll put the performance in the bin sort of thing and we just get the result a bit like Chelsea really they weren't playing at their best but they got the result um, for a chance for silverware but yeah I do think they need to sort of have that plan B where they go if a team does bank in how do we break them down? And it felt kind of classically United as well with Onya Bache getting the assist for the first goal. If she has a good game, United play well. She's such a core part of that team. Obviously, question mark on her future. And then Katie Zellum playing the, the passes for both the other goals, obviously a core part of the team too. So it is like you can kind of predict how goals are going to come about for United. And I think Alicia Russo hasn't had the best season. There's also question marks about her future. I thought she took her goal really well, especially as she was kind of like falling down and off balance. But there is something quite predictable about United and you look at their bench and and who they look to as that plan BK and it's kind of like I think they when this is going to get to such a tight finish it does seem like do they have the depth and the creativity and the versatility to get it done yeah I think you said about being predictable but it has been working for them Mm. so even though it's predictable this it's still happening um, I think having someone like Rach Williams on the bench with a lot of experience, okay, not maybe in a title run, but... That's probably their best kind of joker in the pack, isn't it? Someone like she that. She provides something different, but also, you know, you've got Martha Thomas, you've got Nikita Paris who, who didn't play, but I think they have got a lot of forward options, but I think the problem is, is having the options to then provide those forward players, and I don't think they have... Um, as much to kind of change when the pattern of play needs changing. So if their forward players aren't on it, who really is going to step up from the midfield? I mean, I know Ella Toon in the 10, but I would count her as a forward thinking player. Um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe more so now the season's going on that more teams are kind of like 
know what Man United are about, it might be a bit harder because, like Jilly said about Honor Badger, like trying to overlap, underlap, that's what she was doing really well at the beginning of the season and midway through the season. And I feel like the last two or three games, she hasn't been as prominent. Same with Hannah Blundell on the other side. Um, I think their fullbacks are key to how they attack because it means they can overload in wide areas and they've also got people in the box that can finish. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, you say predictable, but they're scoring a lot of goals still, even when the performance maybe isn't as good as it has has been. Um, but I, I think other teams just have that experience maybe to follow through. And I think that's my only concern with them is when it gets down to the nitty gritty against the bigger teams as well can they find the quality to break those teams down and also be good enough defensively? And I do think defensively against the better teams that maybe are a bit more direct with Sam Kerr running in behind. You see Millie Turner. It's really a comfortable ball for her to play back to Mary Earps, but she sort of stumbles on it, plays the ball back. She knows she's made a mistake, but I think they have that in them, Mm. Um, even though their their goal record is obviously quite low. I just don't know if they'll have enough to kind of finish out the season. I don't know. Jilly, next game is massive. It's Arsenal at home on Wednesday night. Obviously, that game got controversially moved. We won't get too deep into that, but because of Arsenal's Champions League semi-final. So that's on Wednesday night. And then they've got Villa away, which is not an easy one on the following Friday night. Uh, But probably the next biggest game for them is going to be that uh, Manchester derby at home on the 21st of May, which is a, another huge game. So they've got a tough run in as well. Arsenal coming off the back of an extended break. Obviously, a lot of their players have been on international duty. They've got some some big in, injuries. We're going to touch on kind of some of the other things going on in their squad. But that is a tough run in for United. So do you think having played in the FA Cup semi-final is going to be an advantage for them on Wednesday night when Arsenal are kind of coming in from the cold a little bit? It's hard because I think coming off the back of an international break anyway is difficult because you have, especially at teams like Arsenal, United, where you have so many international players away that you might only have like a handful of players left. So you can't really work on stuff, which I said probably benefited Man United and Brighton and probably Aston Villa and Chelsea because they their last game was against each other as well. Um, but obviously Arsenal have had a bit more of an extended break, probably a bit longer to work on the training pitch. You can also sort of dictate the recovery a little bit better as well. So... Even though you would probably expect Arsenal to go in a lot fresher, Man United have obviously had the game time together, which is like, it's obviously different to having the training session. So, um, I mean, I think Wednesday will be, I'm on that game as well. I'm covering that game just so you know. Of course she bloody is. BBC Free, guys. Um, (laughs) But no, that game will be huge because I think if... I mean, Another off. trip up to Lee as well, Jenny. Jeez. Are know, you driving or are you getting the train? No, train. Might as well get a second home. <laughs> I know. I said I might as well stay up there for a few days. Lee was like, get home now. <laughs> I've got the dogs. Um, but I think that'll be huge because I think um, either team can't really drop points. Um, and I think after that game, you potentially could see obviously a bit of movement there. Um, but I think it'll be over the next two, three games. Obviously looking, I think Villa's going to be a tough game for United. Um, and obviously then the City game, City need to win that, obviously after, especially after losing to Arsenal. So I think then in a couple of weeks, you'll see a bit more of a, for people who aren't really that good at maths, 
a bit more of a visual, you know. <laughs> um, that Wednesday night game is obviously good for us. We're going to be talking about it on the Thursday show. So thank you, uh, FA, for you, the scheduling gods that work to the counter-press schedule as well. Let's touch on Arsenal, though, ahead of that one, because it's been a frustrating international break for, for many reasons news today that a confirmation that Kim Little's out for the rest of the season which you know a lot of people had heard reports of that but picked up a hamstring injury in that massive second leg win against Bayern Munich expectation is she'll be ready in time for the start of next season but that's a huge loss Kate massive she is so important for their team Caitlin Ford is also out. I think that's a bit more indefinite, but I think it's maybe looking like a month or so. So maybe they can get her ready for that second leg against Wolfsburg. And Leah Volti, news that she uh, is taking a kind of indefinite break. We don't know how long from football. Uh, she dropped out of Switzerland camp because of uh, you know what she put down to mental and physical exhaustion. So I want to kind of touch on the Leo Volti thing specifically in a sec, but just looking at Arsenal's depth right now, they've obviously got the big absences we know from the beginning of the season in Mead and, and Miedemar, but they're, they're struggling right now. Yeah, they've had it tough, haven't they? They've had so many injuries. Um, but I feel like we sort of wrote them off before and they've kept coming back. Um but Kim Little, I think, is just such a huge player for them in the middle um, in terms of creativity, keeping the ball moving, even defensively. And she's such a good thinker as well. Like, she's so intelligent, so clever on the ball. That is a massive loss in the middle of the pitch for Arsenal. Uh, Caitlin Ford, arguably their most informed player at the moment, um, as well as Frieda Marnham. But uh, oh, it's really tough, isn't it? But with Volti and... Kim Little out in the middle I don't actually know who they've got to kind of step in and, and be able to fill that void especially for the the semi-finals of the Champions League they've obviously got the league they can still win they're still within an outside chance of winning that so that's it's going to be a really big few weeks for them um, with Leah Volti I don't know the time frame that she's, she's going to be out for um, you would hope that she can be back for the important games um but yeah, I mean, in terms of the the amount of injuries and things gone against them this season, if they were to win anything, I think that would be an incredible achievement because they really have had everything thrown at them. Yeah, and I suppose what's positive for them is it had been quite a long time without a trophy, so having the Conti Cup will definitely kind of lift them looking ahead to next season, even if... I think they've got a good chance against Wolfsburg. I think they get they got a better draw than Chelsea, that's for sure, but it's still going to be tough with the squad they've got at the moment. Julie, I wanted to talk about... Leah Volti because Arsenal have been good in this respect um, with how they've managed players because Viviana Miedemar got similar sort of leave granted when, when she was struggling physically conversations about whether it was around maybe long Covid during the Euros and things like that but I think it's important that lots of clubs and national teams are sort of acknowledging that players do need a break when mentally and physically they are finding things tough Um I suppose from your experience, was there ever a point where you wished you maybe had that from a club who would say, or, or you were, were you too scared maybe to say, actually, I, I kind of need a break? Um, I'd say probably when I was at Chelsea, I'd come back on an international camp, off an international camp, um, and I felt in my body, I felt tired. But it's like anything, when you're a player you want to just carry on playing and training and you don't want to miss a session. I think because we got back on like potentially the Thursday and we had a game on the Sunday. Um, 
so I probably shouldn't have trained on the Friday and I trained straight away and tore my quad. But I knew my, I felt leggy in, my, in myself anyway and then I tore my quad and I was out for about three, four months. So that was probably the only time really. But I think as players, you... I mean, I think it's good now that players feel comfortable enough to say they need the break. I don't think potentially that would have happened before. I think players probably would have just tried to play through it or you don't want to risk losing your place in a team. That's how I always felt, that I would play for an injury, I would play if I felt tired because I always felt if I had one game off, someone come in and done a better job, I'd find it really hard to get back in. So I think that's always probably been my mindset and mentality with it. But I do think it's good now that players can can go to clubs and say, listen, this is how I feel mentally, this is how I feel physically. And it not to be punished, the player to be punished for it or to be used against them um, going forward. But I think obviously a player like Leah Walter, you want her to be on top of her game and Arsenal need her to be to be 100%. You know, obviously people have, have found it, I think, difficult this season with obviously the Euros um, and then obviously then going into a World Cup campaign and it's like there's not really much break for players, especially international players. Um, but I don't know obviously how long the break is for. Hopefully it won't be too long for Arsenal's sake, but obviously at the same time, if she needs to take months to get herself right, then obviously she needs to look after herself first and foremost. Yeah, we'll wait and see for an update on that. She left right in the middle of the international break. So obviously that was now kind of like 10 days ago. So wait and see how much time she will take. Um, and, you know, perhaps she might be back in time for the Wolfsburg game or for Wednesday night. We'll keep people updated on that. But let's get into the other FA Cup semi-final next. So... This game wasn't a classic, I will say. Villa against Chelsea. Chelsea just about making it through. Also a very depleted squad for them. They had a to throw together a back line or a centre-back partnership that was kind of retro in Magdalene Eriksson and Maren Mjelder. Maren Mjelder obviously mainly plays when she does play in the team at right back. Uh, but they did well, actually. I don't think Villa really managed to hassle or cause that many problems especially for Melder and Ericsson which Emma Hayes will definitely you know feel good about because I'm sure it was a it was a little bit nervy for a lot of fans watching that but like we've said it so many times this season Chelsea don't always need to be at their best but Jilly they will a lot of the time just grind out a result when they need to yeah and I mean the previous game obviously when uh, before the international break I thought I expected more from Villa because obviously Chelsea had just played Champions League and they were just, everyone was saying how tired they'll be, fatigued they'll be and then Villa just sort of were flat really and didn't really come at Chelsea at all. Um, but yeah, yesterday I feel like, I mean, I felt Chelsea done well to hold on because I was getting a little bit nervous towards the end. I thought this is going to go extra time and probably that's the last thing that Chelsea won. Um, but I do think they're so... With right and down the left-hand side, when she put that ball in, I was sitting there and sitting, I said, as soon as it left her foot and went in the air, in the box, I said, that's in. Because I fancy Sam Kerr any day of the week with her head, not so much, I think, with her feet, like, but at the moment with her head, anything in that area, straight away you knew it was a goal. Um, but I think Villa, they had a... They done well, I think, and I think they was a completely different team to the team before the international break, the game that that, that played. Um, but yeah, Chelsea have just got this thing about them where they just they know how to grind out a result, and 
I think Maren Mielda coming in, they was talking about how she doesn't have a lot of pace, um, but Villa didn't exploit that. But what she's got is experience. Her positioning, not that it don't matter if you don't have pace, but when you got your positioning right, which she did a couple of times when they tried to play Rach Daly through, it don't matter if you don't have the pace. Um, but I think they done really well, obviously. And I think like with Jess Carr, she's going from right side to left side. She's playing all over. Um Fortune had another solid performance as well. Um, but yeah, Chelsea just got this way about them where they just, it don't matter if it's not pretty, they can grind that result. And I think a bonus for them was obviously Harder was on the bench yesterday for the first time. Yeah, there's still a mystery around when Frank Kirby might be back. I think a lot of Chelsea fans have kind of resigned to the fact that they're probably not going to see her the rest of the season. Millie Bright is still a question mark about actual time frame, but... Emma Hayes did confirm that she won't be ready for this weekend. Khadija Buchanan, she seemed a little bit more hopeful for, but she picked up an injury over the international break. So again, Chelsea kind of threadbare, patched together. Looking ahead to what is a massive game for them this weekend at Stamford Bridge against Barcelona. How do you rate their chances, Kate? (laughs) I I think... Fully fit and full strength, I would fancy them. After watching Barca against Roma, the first leg, I thought, okay, t- if teams get at them, they look vulnerable. Yeah, it was a bit of a blueprint, wasn't it? For yeah, teams? second leg obviously was a bit different. Yeah. It's in a different environment, probably where the Roma <laughs> players as well are experiencing the Barcelona crowd behind them as well. Um, yeah, it it leaves them very thin at the back, doesn't it? And it's. I, I think that's the the issues because obviously Barcelona are so good going forward. I think Chelsea would be fine in terms of being able to counter attack and and creating chances against Barcelona. But I think in terms of defensively, that's going to be a real test for them. Um, I don't actually think it would be the worst thing in the world if they got a draw out of it. As much as they obviously want to get a, a lead into the first leg, um, I don't think a draw in the position that they're in with the players they have available right now. I don't think it's the worst result. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Emma Hayes sets up the team for that, how they manage the the game, um, and whether they think a draw is acceptable as well. Uh, it will be a tough place to go, of course, Barcelona, but um, I just think stay in the second leg and hopefully you can get a couple of players back to make you more solid. And then you never know what happens because you look at the last game with Leon. I mean, Chelsea were, were dead and buried um, with literally like five seconds to go. So anything can happen. So I think as long as they can stay in the tie and hopefully get people back, I think they've got a good chance. Yeah, and they'll be frustrated about the chances they missed yesterday. Obviously, in the end, it didn't matter. But Sam Kerr with that one-on-one, I feel like, like you said, Jilly, the more time she has, the the more she struggles in those situations because she's had a couple of those recently. But then when it's her kind of on rushing towards a keeper and she's got no time, she's being closed down, that's when we see her do those kind of elite chips. It's like when she knows she's got time and space, she thinks a little too much. Uh, they had that, I think Kankovic hit the sort of like, um, you know, where the post meets the um, bar, my brain is melted. But you know what I mean, the corner. Um, and uh, and I think Wrighton had a chance. Um, James had those two that she had put over the bar. So they were actually creating a lot, which is probably positive. Um, but if against Barca, they will have to be clinical with whatever they get. Yeah, they can't have four or five chances and then and not take any of them, you know. And I think obviously Sam could have another one as well where it's sort of come back to her and she sort of 
side volleyed it a little bit and it, it literally just skimmed the post. But I felt as well, I felt Lauren James was very quiet yesterday. I know she had a couple of chances where she drove in field and she has them ones where she just looks like she's got no power in a shot and it just like is a rocket. Um, and she's such a threat when she dribbles inside. But I just felt she was very... I did feel she was quiet um, in yesterday's game and I feel like she's so excited when she runs at players. But a lot of times she got the ball and just sort of went safe and went backwards or went sideways where that's not really the Lauren James you see. Um, and I noticed that as well against Australia. She was sort of a bit more reserved than that. So I don't know if that's potentially a conversation that's been had with her or I don't know. But I think if you can get her more into the game, um, it's hard for players as well. In, in the WSL players, for example, against Lauren James, when you play against her a few times, you get to know what you need to do. The patterns and stuff. Yeah, and you, and you like, if you look at when Leon played against her, they struggled because they, like, they weren't expecting her to do what she does. And I think it'll be the same for Barcelona because they're not used to playing against her where I think players in WSL are. They're getting more used to her and more used to what she does. But, I mean, she's still a fantastic player. So I think they'll be looking at her to really offer a bit like a secret weapon um, against Barcelona. But, yeah, they just can't... Um, they can't waste chances because obviously you're not going to get, especially against a team like Barcelona, you might not get as many as what you would against a team like Villa. Okay, a, a word on Villa as well because they will be gutted that they couldn't take it to extra time yesterday. They did push really hard in those last five, ten minutes, came close to Leisha Lehman probably with the best chance of the game for them. Carla Ward said afterwards that she felt like her side were the best team and, and they should have got something or, or should have been able to push Chelsea a little bit further in that tie. But it has been a massive season for them regardless. They will feel like this is the best shot they ever could have had at, at obviously getting to a cup final. But given they're probably going to finish the best of the rest outside the top four, they've got their first ever cup semi-final. It is massive. But we've seen this before with some teams who have had their best ever finishes. I mean, West Ham play one of those as well, but Brighton, Spurs, where there's been a bit of a second season syndrome, not actually literally second season in WSL, but that like following up those record finishes. I think last season, um, Brighton finished sixth, was their best ever finish. And obviously look what happened to them. Um, Spurs struggling. How do you think Villa do one better and can maintain this incredible momentum that they've been on I think the main thing is to not be complacent um, you've got to build on what you've you've produced the year before um, they've got to recruit well they recruited well in January they saw what they needed they went out and got it um, which has really helped them kick on for the second part of the season I do think they're still a little bit off the top four um, I think they're probably going to be looking for a centre-back Um I think they need maybe another option as a fullback as well because they're quite quite thin in terms of if they get injuries in those positions, I don't know who they can bring in. Um, but they have to recruit well. It's really important if they want to kick on and they want to produce what they've produced this season but go one better, they're still quite a way off, I think, the top four in terms of strength of players, quality of players um, and... I think that's that has been the problem for other teams that have done really well. They've kind of sat back and thought, right, well, we had a good season. Oh, we can do that again next season, bring in a couple of players and think job's done. Whereas actually other teams are then strengthening around them. Um, and maybe players are thinking, well, you know, we've got this sussed. We're, we're quite good, actually. 
And then all of a sudden it's like, what's your motivation? What are you aiming for? It's hard to be a middle table team when you're not necessarily knowing that you're going to push for Champions League, but you're also probably okay with without relegation. Where is your motivation? So it's down to the coaches, the managers, the players to all demand the most from themselves to try and get the best out of themselves um, without thinking, oh, you know, we're, we're safe, but we haven't got anything to fight for. The Cups are a perfect opportunity and I think Villa will be kicking themselves because Chelsea were quite threadbare in terms defensively as well and Villa have been good going forward. I really think that's an opportunity missed. Um, but I, I can see them staying in there for next season. I think they've recruited really well. Also, for you guys, in your experience, I always feel like it doesn't help as well that a lot of those mid-table teams that do sometimes have these best-ever finishes and then drop off, with recruitment, players are only often getting like one, two-year deals. So it's also quite hard to hold on to a squad for a good amount of time to be able to kind of continue what you've started. We saw that with Brighton, like a huge exodus in the summer. They don't quite manage to fill the gaps and then they end up in serious trouble. I feel like that kind of becomes a bit of a cycle. Villa have shown that they do want to spend. Spurs spent spent a lot and it didn't quite work out. But will that be something that maybe will help them push on is that if they can actually secure players for a, a good amount of time rather than this continuous cycle of just a bit of a revolving door of, of the talent you've got to work with, Jelly? Yeah, well, you're talking probably me and Kate probably know better than most, really, the four years that I was at West Ham we had probably seven or eight go out at the end of the season seven or eight come in and that was every year I was one of the the eight that <laughs> left the last season but that's that's what I found difficult was at West Ham because you can't build that consistency you can't build those relationships and I think it is obviously the one or the two year deals and even then really even if you have got 18 months left on your deal like you still think Alicia Lehman and Will Cho left with still 18 months left of their deal so even that don't really not it don't make a difference but if an offer comes in for a team that a club can't turn down then that contract sort of goes out the window um, but yeah I think obviously if Villa can can keep majority of them they'll know where they need to strengthen um, and the players they need to bring in but to be able to keep a core group who you're looking at the relationships building and that and obviously you're talking to like Kendra Darley and Rachel Daly. Obviously, they played together at West Ham, but Rachel sort of played on the right wing back, didn't she? And Kendra was obviously middle, and then they both left um, and then come back together. But again, you look next year with playing for an extra six, eight months together, how they're, they're on a level with each other now. And I mean, it's that's sort of um, dipped a little bit the last couple of games or against Chelsea, but in previous games you're seeing the relationship and they know each other's runs and stuff that's going to even grow even further um, but yeah they'll need to recruit because sometimes it is the like Kate said the complacency of oh yeah we finished fifth now it's really Villa have to go do we want to get in Champions League or happy? are we happy just being fifth and being in the cup because that can dictate really your budget and your recruitment if you're going right we want Champions League then they need to go here here's your money go and get top players who've got Champions League experience um, so that's sort of the thingy when you know where you finish that's when really a club can go well what's our path now what do we want to achieve are we happy just being the best of the rest and sort of hoping to get FA Cup Conti Cup or are we actually really going to go for it and then put the money in and we saw it happen to Everton, make that cup final, that kind of weird behind closed doors one that they lose to City, had these ambitions of making the Champions League. 
but it wasn't even it wasn't just the recruitment maybe you know not necessarily spending money in the right areas or going after highly rated young talent but also there was just too much chaos behind the scenes and you can't sometimes legislate for that obviously Everton as a whole football club are going through it at the moment but hmm. There's there's just a lot that goes into being able to sustain that momentum. Villa kind of I guess what's exciting for for their fans is that they could have quite a big say in the title race because they've got that game against Manchester United and then they've got Arsenal on the last day of the season uh, at Meadow Park, which which could be a really fun kind of finale depending what happens to Arsenal and where they kind of measure up um, in the title race looking ahead. Just wanted to touch really quickly before we go on the end of a cell because we haven't talked about it a lot on the show and. I always find like if you do touch on the end of a cell, there's not much point in doing like a general update because I feel like with the playoff system, it makes a lot of the regular season completely kind it's of a, It's null a stupid avoid. system, I hate it. It is a stupid system, <laughs> I completely agree. Because I, there's no point in really reflecting on the first three games of the season and where everyone stands because at why the end of the day, get, it's going to be the playoffs. What is the point in coming first and getting a trophy and then just doing playoffs anyway? I know. I know. I'm, I'm hoping maybe they one day will change it, but maybe not. It's just because they have to follow the, you know, what all the other US sports do. But it is rubbish. Why? I don't make know. your own path. Under chat to Commissioner Lisa, or I can't remember her name, but chat to her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Send her an email. Um, but I mean, there was a fun, a fun weekend of NWSL action for what fans could see, which I'll get onto in a minute. But there was a late equaliser for uh, Angel City in the 87th minute. Um, O.L. Reign got a 95th minute winner against Casey Stoney's San Diego Wave and Gotham they got two goals in stoppage time in the in 90 plus 10 and then 90 plus 17 so yes, what happened in what that game I saw a tweet like why was the I know what happened do you know um, I was just watching the highlights and yeah okay I, so we don't know chaos um, no update you mean they you didn't guys. add in the 17 minutes of non-play <laughs> in the highlights no, no. <laughs> Um, so yeah it was a chaotic weekend but I suppose the overarching discourse and what dominated Twitter was the fact that actually very few people could see any of these games because the end of a cell had technical difficulties again with its broadcast and this has been a running thing for this league forever it's happening with their Twitch streams back in the day it's happened with the Paramount domestic deal it's still happening with the international coverage too and I just don't understand why they can't get it right. Like, we know BBC had a few technical difficulties on Saturday, Jilly, but it is pretty rare that you see that in UK coverage where there's an issue that can't necessarily be fixed and it ends up disrupting some of the broadcast. But they made it work. But with this end of a cell stuff, you've got, like, actual pictures just being lost for, for minutes. And then you have teams doing memes where they're like drawing pictures of players on piece of paper and then tweeting jokes about it being like oh here's a picture of Trinity Rodman scoring her goal or something and I just find it a bit embarrassing for the fans and the league and everyone and then it also impacts media because um, Ariel Dorr who does like stats and stuff around end of a cell she was saying because there's the stream broke you can't do any stats because there's no one watching about the stream to calculate the data and that will have massive ramifications and it's like if you're trying to be on a par and say that like the like the WSL you're one of the best leagues in the world you kind of got to get the basic stuff right of having a functioning TV coverage. But, I mean, I'm not a technician, but 
it shouldn't be that difficult, Jilly. Just take out the plug. Would you do blow it? Yeah, and <laughs> literally. Just shake turn it, it on and off again. <laughs> yeah, I I don't understand. Obviously, I'm not um, a technician, but I think you've just got to do better than that. Really, it's crap for the fans. It's crap for the media. It's crap for the players. I mean, they've got VAR this season, which is more than pretty much every other domestic league has. The Champions League, they've obviously got that in the latter stages. So just like we can fix the TV. Just I get don't your shit understand. Together. Yeah, get your shit together because. You're becoming a bit of a laughing stock that every week you have an issue. Um, and so anyway, that is my end of a cell update. It's just like, sort your shit out, basically. Um, I, we looked for why there was 17 minutes of extra time. Can't find it. We so. don't know. I mean, there was a VAR if penalty knows, situation. Can you tell us? Because that's an um, outrageous amount of time. So unless the VAR checks are taking really, really long because it's new and people don't know how to use it, I don't know. But that is a really long amount of time. But Gotham got two goals from it, so maybe they're happy about it. But you would be, for you, if you were Orlando Pride and that is the reason why you lost the game so anyway um, that's enough for, for today's show we will obviously be back on Thursday chatting about that huge game between Manchester United and Arsenal but for now we will leave you there and we'll see you soon <laughs> see you soon I was going to say Thursday and soon and then it went <laughs> um, but we'll leave you there for now see you soon <laughs>